Blog Talk Radio. Well, good morning. This is your host here at the K Factor, where cake was kindness, and the factors are all the things that all the things that lead to it. So, what leads to kindness? Stop and think about that for a second. What does lead to kindness? The very first thing that runs through my mind is that in order for us to experience kindness, we have to be in a in a zone, ready to deliver it, and really, certainly, ready to receive it. And we need to get ourselves prepared for that zone, be open and responsive and receptive to it, into everything that it means, every day, throughout the day. It's a beautiful place to live. And on today's episode... I want to focus on summertime. What runs through your mind when you think about summertime? People usually say, oh, I love to be out in the sun and playing in the water or be near the water, go to the beach, go to the pool, have picnics, do outdoor grilling, have people over, go to different shows and fairs and concerts that are outside, and what I hear is a lot of enthusiasm in the summer more than any other time during the year for life and for engaging in activities, and people are longing for the sunshine, and they're longing for the beauty of the season to invite them outdoors outside of our homes, outside of our dwellings, to come together to celebrate nature, really, and to celebrate our relationships in actuality. Because if we are going to get together, we're looking to get together with people who we like, who we care about, sometimes people who we're madly in love with, romantically and otherwise. And yet, is summer the time of year when you're really happy? Are you feeling really genuinely and authentically happy because it's summertime? So during the months of June and July and August into September, you are really at your best. You're happy. You don't have downtimes. You're not frustrated. The answer to that is no. You still have those feelings of disappointment and despair. You went to a picnic and somebody was a goof. You felt like an idiot. You wanted to go to a pool party, but you didn't want to wear a bathing suit because you're not in shape. You felt intimidated and awkward. You didn't want to wear shorts this summer because you never really did get into the diet and the exercise routine that you promised yourself. They feel icky. There's all kinds of stories that I hear that people share with me, that people are playing over and over and over again in their head about what they think they want from their summer experience and what's actually really happening. Now, don't get me wrong. I do think that all of us love the sunshine. That's a human characteristic. It's a human trait that we all have in common. Oh, it's sunny outside. You know, the little happy face is yellow and looks like the sunshine for a reason. 
We embrace that, the big smile, everything. We don't have a blue happy face. We have a yellow happy face. And psychology has taught us very clearly that the happiest colors are oranges and yellows. So we do gravitate towards that. But when we have an expectation for happiness, when we do it for summertime, it's just like when we have an expectation at Christmas or at Thanksgiving for happiness, it's going to be great, I'm so excited, I love it, and we see depression set in. I can tell you that professionally we see in psychology and psychiatry depression set in around events like the ones I'm mentioning here. We see depression set in in large measure because we have a set of expectations about what that experience is going to be like, what it's supposed to be like. One of the reasons that Norman Rockwell, the artist, was so popular and continues to be so popular and so beloved is because he paints for us these scenes of America, of family, of gatherings of people, of loving encounters, things that we all have in common that we share. It's about nationalism. It's about family. It's a little bit about faith. It's about goodness and basic core values. Everything in his artwork, in my opinion, is about presenting what we all crave. And it is about love and kindness. But when we have a picture that represents it to us, we can't just walk into that picture. We need to create the situation so that there's an arena, there's an environment, a real third dimension reality that we walk into where we share these things. And where does that begin? How do we make it happen? If you're going to have a picnic, where is it that that's going to take place? Is it going to be at your home? If it's at your home, at your home, have you created physically an environment that is comfortable for people? Is it comfortable for you? Are you proud to have people over? And when they arrive, do you know how to be a loving host? What is it that you do? Are you frazzled? Or are you unhinged? Do you feel confident and competent? Or do you feel like an idiot? Or like it's no big deal, so you pretend it's no big deal? It is a big deal. Every time somebody drives up to our residence, whether it's an apartment building or it's a single dwelling, it is a big deal. People are arriving with an expectation of how they'll be greeted, and everybody wants a warm and loving greeting. No exceptions. And when they walk across your threshold, you're anticipating, you're longing for people to come and be happy and be comfortable and for everything to be groovy, fun, enjoyable, and filled with kindness. Now, if you disagree with that, I want you to roll it around in your mind and ask yourself, what is it that you are doing that's at variance what it is with what it is that I'm describing here. If you're at variance with it, 
and you're having an expectation, well, these people will show up like that, but then there's these other people, and they'll show up this other way, and it's going to be awful and icky. And Yes, exactly. Now we get to the heart of the issue. We do have expectations that some people are going to show up unhappy, crabby, disappointed before they hit the door. Their presence makes us feel uncomfortable. And then we get resentful. And it's a big swirl of negative energy. And then it's a big swirl of negative activity and interaction. So if we're going to have this beautiful, spectacular summer and this picnic at our residence, what exactly is it that we're going to be able to do to ensure that that takes place? Are you willing, does it even occur to you genuinely, to do the work in advance of your events? And I mean all year long, so that when the holidays and the seasons are upon us, that you really do have the option the genuine, authentic option, to have a lovely encounter. We have to invest the time in reflection. Now, every time I bring this up, there are a certain percentage of people who roll their eyes and start thinking about how they're so busy and they don't have time for this and it's psychobabble and here we go again and it's self-help. Yes, (laughs) to all of that. It is psychobabble, and psychobabble means it's psychological chattering. And psychological is where we live. Maybe 90% of our world is about the psychology of what we're doing, and 10% of it is the action. Now, you can move that line on the percentages around a little bit, but not a whole lot. Because the game that we play in our head is the game that directs our activity and runs our life. It all begins with our perceptions. Everything is a matter of perception. And what it is that you think and you feel is what you're going to lead with. And that's what other people are going to see. It's what they're going to experience with you. There was a percentage of time in my life when I was so rebellious. I was just so sick and tired of my mother and my father and my siblings and me being the focal point always. What is she doing? What's happening? What's going on now? What will she do next? And you know what? It really wasn't about me. It was just natural. Family members, parents, siblings are, of course, focused on each one of us and wondering what we're doing, how we're doing, how we're growing, how we're evolving, and what it is that we're going to be doing next. But I decided that I knew everybody, and I knew better than everybody, and I needed to cut my own path. And when we would have our family get-togethers, it was always sticky. It was always tense. Because I walked in with an expectation. I had an edge, and everybody else had an edge as well. Feathers were literally ruffled. I mean, you could just feel it. It's almost like people's hairs were standing up on the ends, on the back of their neck and on their arms. 
tension and stress. And even though we wanted to get together and have a lovely time, somebody would end up in the kitchen griping about somebody else. Somebody would end up in the bathroom or in one of the bedrooms just having a few moments of tears because they were so disappointed. That goes on for some people for a lifetime. It went on for me during part of my adolescence, which is not so difficult for any of us to relate to. And it didn't come to a halt until I was in my 20s, and I decided enough of this. I actually really love these people, and I don't know everything. As a matter of fact, I'm not so sure I know anything. Other than I know that what I want in my life is I want a summer that is beautiful where my heart feels like the sunshine, where I want to sing around the campfire with people that I love. I want to swim. I want to be in the sun. I want to go fishing. I want to be at the beach. I want to be grilling. I want to be doing it all in kindness and have it be authentic, and have our encounters be really, truly lovely, without the sneers, without the doubts. I want to be in a position with these beautiful people in my family. I want to be able to be looking at them and having them looking at me, and it's just clean, you know? It doesn't have that negative edge. It doesn't have the resentment. It has the love right smack in the middle of it, and we overtly express that that is the reality. How often do you, with the people in your midst, do you think about where the edges are? And do you take the time to get reflective inside of your own head, in your own heart, and say, wait a second, Are the edges within me, do I have resentment hanging around in here somewhere? Do I have something that I need to forgive this person for? Or do I need to forgive myself for something in this relationship? Where is it? What is it? What is it that happened? What is it that needs a correction? If we don't take the time to do that, What I have seen happen, I've seen it happen in my own life as well as in the lives of people that I know personally and professionally. And I've certainly seen it happen when people are dying. The remorse, the guilt, the sadness, and the angst that somehow, somewhere along the course of the life, in preparation for the picnics, in preparation for Christmas and Thanksgiving, somebody's birthday, we didn't really get it straight. We didn't really allow for the time to say, I'm sorry, I love you, I have regret, please forgive me, I forgive you, I want peace between us, and say it so authentically and with gratitude And with overt gratitude, I am so glad that you are my parent. I am so happy that you are my sibling. I know we've had difficulties, but life is about that and about working through it. 
I am thirsty for your love. I am longing for our connection. It takes so much courage to be able to say that, to step up and step in and be able to have that dialogue. And we need to do it. It's important. Because when we're taking our last breath or that person is taking their last breath and we haven't arrived at that point, we get a flood of emotions and so many thoughts racing through our mind. If we don't attend to it, we land in a place where we are uncomfortable. We land in a place of dis-ease. And that dis-ease is really disease, and it's where illness comes from. You can do the research on Google. Thank goodness for Google. The land of answers. When you have an inquiry, you Google it. If you go to Google and you look at forgiveness and illness, what you will see is a lifetime of research that's been done about the ways in which we get sick when we hold on to our hostility, our frustration, our anger. We get so messed up by it. It's terrible. And yet, we don't believe it. And we don't believe that it's possible to let go of it. We don't believe that we have to. Somebody else ought to. And you fill in the blank. Somebody else ought to. And you got a long list. The real deal is, it doesn't matter. You know, on Facebook, I love the social media platforms and we take pictures of our lives and having fun and oh people like it and we click 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 like 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 oh love that love being in touch and it's beautiful and it's healthy and it's exquisite but you know the reality is when I have conversations because I pursue so many people personally because I really do love them because I really am happy about what I'm seeing there when I pursue people and I say, I love that, you know, I love your life. It's so sweet. What I very frequently hear from people is, yeah, well, that looks really nice, but let me tell you what it's really like on the inside. And I hear a story of sadness and disappointment and disillusion and illness and despair I hear stories where there's a need for solutions, forgiveness, mercy, tolerance. Every single one of us are challenged with meeting the expectations that we have for the life that we crave. And that's exactly what my work is about in Build the Strength Within and in these online webinars that I've been doing for strength training for Total Life Fitness. People say to me, is it about exercising? Is it about lifting weights? You bet it is. It's about exercising the most important parts of us, our heart, our mind, our body, and our soul. Is it about lifting weights? Absolutely. It's about lifting the weight of life 
the challenges that we face, the experiences that we have that pull us down. That's why we call them weights. They do pull us down. If somebody has hurt our feelings, the question is, how long do we need to sustain the injury? How long do we need to allow the bruise to be there? And what was it that took place in the dynamic between us and that person that prompted the altercation? Emotions confuse us more than anything in this life. If you're afraid of calculus or geometry or a history test or a spelling bee, that's all cognitive intellectual material. I challenge you to tell me that you are not more afraid of emotions that run rampant than you are any intellectual material that you might be having to face. Human beings would rather deal with almost anything than emotions. And by the way, me included, because when the stakes are really high and I get scared, I need to pull together every resource that I have in terms of my inner strength, my intuition, my heart, my mind control tactics to keep myself healthy because our emotions get triggered and then we go off on those journeys that can get us into so much trouble. We, however, have control. We really do. We have control over one thing in this life. We have control over our thoughts. It all begins with learning how to do mind control exercises. You can go to wonderful websites like Luminosity and learn some fabulous brain exercises, and I recommend highly that you do that. They've got paid accounts there. They've got free accounts there. It's a fabulous, fabulous website. I wholly endorse it. You can also come to drdubcarlin.com or you can Google my name and add meditations behind my name and you'll come up with close to 100,000 results. You can read about mind control exercises that I teach. You can listen to them, audio. You can watch them, video, with and without music. The point is to learn how to do them because what happens in the process of learning how to do them is you really, truly do learn how to control your mind and direct just like a producer or a movie director directs what's happening on a stage with the actors. You direct what's taking place. And when you direct your mind, you have direct control and influence over your emotions because our emotions only go in the direction where our head goes. They're intricately, intimately connected, which gets us into 
the whole area of the reality of psychoneuroimmunology and psychoneuroendocrinology. And it's about the ways in which those systems in our body are intertwined and have so much power and influence over one another in an interconnected way. My invitation for you here this morning is to stop and think about what has your summer been like? Are you experiencing the joy that you really want? Have you shown up at places with great expectation and felt disappointed or sad somehow that it didn't go the way that you had really hoped that it would? Why is that? What is it that you are looking for? What relationship needs some repair, some attention? What is it that you can do to shift the gears, to change things? What is it that you can do to make it what you'd like to see it be? If you find that there are people who will not allow the peace to be made overtly, there is a beautiful technique that I've learned recently. My mother tried to teach it to me when I was a child. My father tried to teach it to me when I was a child. There's a readiness factor for all of us with every tactic. And sometimes it's just a matter of waiting until we're in the zone where we can hear it, take it on, and really adapt to it. So here's how it goes. Whether it's your mother or your neighbor or a friend, when they will not let you approach them with the topic, with the peace that you're craving, close your eyes and envision them in the arms of complete love and acceptance, in a place that is better than what you think they deserve, (laughs) but in a place where they get genuine and authentic healing and support. You know, you never have to tell them that you're doing that for them. But if you put it into your mind's eye, it's going to sit with you And it's going to find its way to your heart. And as it does, you are going to have a shift in your feelings about them because you're shifting your perceptions about them. And it's a game changer in every way imaginable. And it's a beautiful thing. It might take 10 days. It might take 10 months, but my experience has been in some of the worst situations in my life, I have felt an amazing sense of relief in every single dynamic where I once had angst by doing exactly this. And in my life, Personally, I add the element of prayer, praying for people to be in a place of 
tremendous blessing and happiness and health and well-being so that I can get to a place where I don't have the angst. And that really is forgiveness. It's not about saying it's okay that somebody did this to me. It's about not letting it ruin you. And isn't that what happens when we show up to the picnic and we feel awkward and we feel frustrated? Isn't that what happens when we are anticipating going somewhere and we decide not to go because we set it up that it's not going to be the way that we need it to be? Build the strength within, my friends. It's the most important gift that you can give yourself. What is inside of you is absolutely gorgeous. I promise. That's it for today. This is your host, Dr. Deb Carlin, signing off, wishing you a beautiful summer, wishing you a beautiful day, wishing you the life that you crave, and looking for ways to be informative and supportive and loving and putting kindness right in the middle of it here every week, every episode here on The K-Factor. Well, cake was kindness, and the factors are all the things that lead to it. Take care, and until next time, this is your host, Sani.